Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Today, my guest is Jen McGowan. She is a filmmaker, uh, just recently finishing up a film that's going to be released by IFC called Kelly and Cal. And it uh, debuted at the South by Southwest Film Festival recently, and where she won the Game Changer Emergent Woman Director Award. I think I have that correct. Anyhow, I was introduced to Jen McGowan by her publicist, Brandy George, over at Persona PR. And uh, I was able to get a, a screening copy, a screening copy, a screener copy of the film Kelly and Cal, uh, which stars Juliette Lewis. And it's uh, it was good. It was just fun to see Juliet Lewis just like take control of the whole film, and it was just uh, reminding you how much uh, I sort of miss her in a lot more movies that she probably should be in. Anyhow, before we get started, I want to apologize for the audio quality on my part. As you can hear right now, it sounds okay because I have my microphone plugged in and whatnot. But I had upgraded my Skype account, and it sort of uh, nuked some of my settings. And where I thought everything was set correctly, it was actually recording my uh, computer microphone on my behalf. So it sounds a little bit different than the other podcasts you've probably been hearing. It won't sound like this on my end. Obviously, Jen is calling in from a phone call conversation, so uh, she's you know she has that sound, sort of sound quality. Anyhow, it's a really fun interview because we get to follow Jen's journey as she goes through you know film school to doing an award-winning short film, to getting the opportunity to work with a really great team to help produce and get this uh, film made and distributed. Um, if that's is that an English word, distributed. <laughs> As I get older, my English pronunciation just sucks. <laughs> Anyhow, let's just get on with the interview here on the Film Trooper Podcast. Hey, Scott. I have Jen on the line. Hi. How are you? Hey, Scott. How are you? Good. I am very good. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with me. Thank you for your patience. I apologize for my tardiness. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> So if I can gather, you guys are in Los Angeles. Is that where you've been living for the last uh, few years now? Yeah, I moved there in uh, 2002, and I've been here ever since then. Okay, cool, cool. So I don't know if you know, um, you know, it's it's wild. I don't know how Brandy got hold of me other than um, uh, she introduced me to you via, you know, gave me a rundown of your film, and I got a chance to see it, um, which was great. And, you know, of course. great. Yeah, Juliet Luce's uh, performance is like, oh, it's like, oh, yes, that's, you know, it's like those who've been fans of hers or have seen her intermittently through the years in different films, you kind of just, you know, you forget, like, oh, my gosh, she's so good, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's funny because I was talking to someone about that today in the casting process. When you're doing casting, you're looking for elements that you need. And you see it, you know, you look through all of their work and you see they can do this. This is the thing they do. It's all there. And uh, I'm glad you saw that in the film. Yeah, it was it was it was it was wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, So, you know, just to get started, imagine that we're like in some sort of party and like nobody, you know, I don't know who you are. You know, like that kind of thing. Like we'll tell and Simmons says, hey, you got to meet, you know, Jen. She just made this amazing film, Kelly and Cal. Uh, can you tell us more about Kelly and Cal? Yeah, absolutely. So it's about a woman in her late 30s who was this kind of punk rock riot girl 
And she has since gotten married, had her first baby, moved to the city, and it's kind of not working out for her. Uh, she's not connecting with the baby. The husband's working long hours. And she strikes up a friendship with a 17-year-old boy in her neighborhood. And it's about their relationship. Um, thematically, it's about identity. It's about aging. It's about marriage. Um, but literally, it's about their relationship. So what was it that, because I know there's something, this is a story that you developed um, with your screenwriter, um, Amy Lowe Starbin, is that correct? Yeah, but, that's right. And you mentioned that you guys were, um, you know, uh, USC alumni, is that correct? Did I get that? I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you're developing yeah. this story yeah, with is. her. And yeah, so what was it about the story that you wanted to tell? Like, and, and what was the reason that you wanted to make this as your first uh, feature film? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was really drawn to the contemporary storytelling, the contemporary perspective on relationships. It was a story I hadn't really seen explored um, in much detail before. I really loved the comedy and I could see it. You know, when I read the script, I was like, I can see that. I can bring something to that film. I can contribute to that. And it's a small enough project that I feel confident that I can get it made at this point. Did Amy come to you or how did it come? How did it you know, end up on your table so you had a chance to like go, hey, you know what? I think I can make this happen. We met through an alumni program called USC First Team, which was a program for USC alumni. And they were trying to foster future films, kind of like the film Independent Labs, Sundance Labs. And I was accepted to the program as a director, she as a writer, and we met there. Um, she'd have half of the film written. And, I mean, the first connection was she and I completely headed off. Like, we just liked one another. We kind of got one another's perspective. And then when I read her work, I was like, this is great. I can do this. So, um, you know, I talked to Amy, and I was like, look, you know, she gave me a couple of projects, but the one I really responded to was the one that wasn't complete. And I said, would you be interested in developing this with me? And she said, yes. So over the next year, that's what we did. She wrote and I gave her notes and we got it to a place where we were both super excited. When you, What are you looking for when you're giving notes like in the, in the creative process? So, you know, she's writing, the writer's, you know, creating her work. Uh, handing it off to you and, you know, either it's like, do you, do you have something like preconceived in your head or you kind of know where you want it to go or you, or what beats you want your uh, characters to no. hit or anything like that? You know, that's not, that's not how I respond to things. I really try to respond to things just, you know, kind of primally, like, is that funny? Does that work? Where am I bored? Does that make sense? Um, you know, I, I, I think that's the most important thing. It's kind of like when you're working with an editor, you're responding as an audience would respond. Also, probably your uh, acting background, the whole listening thing, I suppose, I'm, I'm guessing as well, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm imagining, can I make that work? Does that make sense? You know, are those transitions possible or is that too much of a leap for a realistic performance? That's certainly something I'm keeping in mind, yeah. Definitely. So let me ask you, so you, so you get the project in place and it's like, yeah. was there like a, I don't know, do you get over like overly giddy or like, Oh God, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see this now. I can actually make something. Okay. This is great. Let's, let's go. You know, I don't know. Can if I that's... tell you what was the most surprising process about this as my first independent feature film? There is 
no point where you celebrate. There is no point where you're not worried about something. You know, <laughs> like you get your chance to uh, and there's something else to worry about. You get the film shot and there's something else to worry about. Like there's no, uh, I swear, I think, I think the writer and I in four years have had one drink together where we said congratulations. And <laughs> to be fair, I think we need to rectify that. But that's, that's kind of unfortunately the nature of the beast. Yeah, I, I, I can. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I was wondering if you, you know, because I, the film itself, like, like I said, there was a, like you said, you wanted to make something that you hadn't seen before, or it was the, the story yeah. itself. But was there something bigger, like a, um, not to be over pretentious about it, but something like, you know, I, I just wanted to say this theme. I wanted to communicate this idea I mean, to the world, or something. I have to say, as a director that doesn't write, I don't think I respond to material like that. I don't look at something and say, this is going to be my life statement. You know, I look at something and I say, is that interesting to me? Is it entertaining? Can it keep me engaged and committed for four years? Can I bring something interesting to the table? You know, there's some scripts you read where you're like, this is a movie. I see it. It's absolutely not what I do. (laughs) that's a movie for another director but there's some movies you read and you're like you know what I can do this and I can probably do this better than anyone else's script is going to go to and I felt that about Cal and Cal and I felt that about all my short films Um, but in terms of what I responded to in the material I mean the themes it's important to me that the movies that I make have universally accessible themes And by that, I mean, yes, this was a film literally about a woman in her mid-30s who was connecting with a 17-year-old in his neighborhood. Could I relate to that personally? No, absolutely not. I have no relationship to that in my life, thankfully, whatsoever. However, the universal themes of identity, aging, marriage... Um, going through life and your body changes, and how that, um, how that experience, how how you experience the world, and how the world experiences you because of that. that those are things that I can relate to. I'm not a mother, but could I relate to this woman who is torn between between these two worlds? Absolutely, and that's interesting to me. And that also tells me that other audiences can relate to this, not just people who are going through literally exactly what she's going through. And those are the films that are kind of exciting to me. Oh, nice. That was wonderful. So in the process, obviously you're like, okay, this is character driven and sense that I got to, you know, score some very good talent here. What was the casting process in terms of, um, you know, it's always like a, you know, chicken before the egg type thing. Uh, uh, did you work yeah. with a casting director and, and what was that process like uh, in order to, to yeah. land and you, Julia? And you nail it on the head. The chicken and the egg thing is very common in casting. It's very common in a lot of uh, processes of making a movie where, you know, you need one thing before you can get the other, but you need the other before you can get the thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, our finance was very much wrapped up in who we were casting as our principal. And Juliet was someone that I and the writer had in mind when we were developing the script before we had an idea that we could actually get this made. She was kind of our 
our muse, if you'll say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we didn't think we could really get her. She was like our dream casting. But it just so happened that she'd taken a few years off to do music, I think seven or eight years. She was slowly coming back into acting with um, Conviction, August Osage County. Mm-hmm. I don't think had been shot yet, but she was, I think, entertaining that project. Um, and it just so happened that the script hit the script hit her at the appropriate time in her career, in her life, in whatever, and she responded. Um, she responded to the material. She responded to my treatment. We connected, and she said yes. And I have to say, for a first-time feature director, it's a huge, important moment, um, something that will never happen again in my career and something that I will be forever grateful to Juliette Lewis for. She said yes. Yeah. And it would have been much easier for her to say no. And you know what? Um, but she took a risk, and she, she connected with the material, and she said yes. And she not only said yes, I mean, she said yes, like it, what it sounds like, she invested a lot of herself into the film, uh, even writing some of the songs that were in the film. Is that correct? Yeah. She wrote, so she wrote two songs in the film. She wrote, and it's funny because I had asked her to write the song in the middle of the film, and I won't talk about it too much because I think it's really fun to discover that when you're mm-hmm. watching the film. But she wrote that song in the middle. And, you know, I did some custom reference material, and Amy had actually written the lyrics. So Juliet and her partner, Clint Walsh, on the, her partner on this, um, wrote the music, and they performed it and recorded it. And then Juliet delivered that, and she also delivered this other song called Change, which I'm a big baby. It makes me cry every time I hear it. Um, <laughs> and we ended up using it for the final you know, piece of the film and we ended up using it in the trailer and it was awesome. And like, that's such a great example of, I didn't even ask for that. And she gave it to me. I mean, if there's one thing I can say about Juliet, no one in my life have I met more than her to commit. She was committed and that's really all you want in a creative collaborator. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And so let me ask you, um, backdrop again, how did you, what was the process in order to get her the script? Was it through a casting director or was it through a producer, um, through a manager? Well, agent? at that time, so our casting director, the company is called Barton Chung. They did wonderful, wonderful films. And our uh, point person there was Rich Delia. And we worked with him to make an offer to Juliet. I mean, look, at this point, I'm, I'm a nobody. Nobody knows who the hell I am. So it's not like I get to audition her. Um, you know, I, I did a ton of research. I knew her obviously as an audience member, knowing her work, growing up with her work, but you know, like I was saying earlier, you want to look back and look at all the material and make sure is every element you need is a glimmer of that in something somewhere, you know? So I watched all of her films. I watched every interview I could find with her, everything I could get my hands on. I watched her musical performances, everything. Um, and then I, I said, okay, you know, I was right. She is the right one for this. Um, let's make an offer. So, you know, you send the script, you send the offer, her, her people read it, she reads it, and she gets back and she says, yeah. And then after that, we cast everyone else around her. Slowly but surely, you put the puzzle pieces into, into place. And Johnny, we did through t- traditional casting. You know, he came in and read, um, I loved him. I thought he was amazing. We narrowed it down to four guys who were all great, but very different. 
And Juliet very kindly came in and did a chemistry read. And, I mean, it was so clear. The second they met one another, it was like, yeah, that's, that's it. These are Kelly and Cal. Oh, nice. So nice. It, was, it was a really great experience. And you didn't have that, like, you didn't have a little moment when you, when you, were la when you landed Juliet Lewis, like, yay, nothing like that. <laughs> but, but I did, what, what do you mean that I questioned like, oh, no, I mean, she, she's amazing. She's no, no, awesome. No. I mean, she. No, I meant like in the sense, just for you personally, like, just like you were mentioning, like all the trials and errors of making a film where you never, you never had a moment of just going, yay, like a hooray for yourselves. Like this, you know, we got to this point. Um, like if I, yeah, I mean, you think you have a little moment, you have a little moment, you go, this is, this is awesome. Okay. <laughs> oh shit, look at all these other million things we've got to deal with, you know, they're trying to have a party is what I'm saying. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's no, you know, there's no point where you're like having a celebration. It's more like a, it's more like a release. Everything is more like a release. Okay. <laughs> I, I, but I probably should clarify when I say that I'm always, I'm always interested in hearing um, just sort of the emotional like ups and downs that a filmmaker goes through yeah, totally. in their journey because you know for me I might have just you know jumped in the hallway and clicked my heels once and then you're like right you know you're like okay I'm back to business <laughs> you know I have to say what that that emotional journey is something that is super important to get accustomed to it's super important because as a director, you kind of need to be the calm within the storm at all times. And one of the things that I really appreciated about going to study at USC is even when you're making crappy little short films, you're going through the whole process from beginning to end over and over and over again. And what that teaches you is, oh, right, at this point, I feel like complete crap. I remember this. It's okay. It's going to be fine. And then at this other point, I'm really proud of myself. And, and, and wait a minute, take a minute. Don't get too excited because you're about to get hit in the face. In a <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, it gives you that perspective to be able to go through the long journey and keep your wits about you and keep your eye on the prize and get the film made the way you intended. Right. Let me ask you, so take us through your film school journey because what I understand you not only USC you you attended and studied at but also in New York at the uh, Tisch School of Arts or something if you yeah could... I thought I'd try to accrue as much student loan debt as humanly possible that was my goal <laughs> <laughs> so wait let's start let's start with the beginning like so you you're in the East yeah. Coast uh, tell us give you give us your film school journey and and then what are your thoughts on film school well, so when I went to NYU, I didn't study film. I studied acting. Um, I studied at the Atlantic Theater Company. The NYU kind of farms out their theater school to different studios, professional studios around the city. And the one that I studied at was the Atlantic Theater Company, which is based on uh, David Mamet. Um, when I got out of school, I, and I very much enjoyed that. I learned a ton. I learned a ton about character, about story, about, um, you know, breaking down a script and understanding what it is you're trying to say. When I got out of school, I loved the purity of acting and of theater. I did not like the business of it at all. Um, I didn't like the roles I was getting cast in. I was very impatient. I did not have the long view. So I was frustrated and I wanted more control over what I was making. So 
you know, I wasn't this kid that was born with a little super eight millimeter camera in her hand. I didn't really discover film until much later in my life when I was trying to solve the problem of, I don't like the things I'm making. How can I have more control? And that's when I decided to do a short film. Um, and I got behind the camera and I just realized I loved everything about the process, not just the creation, not just the pure artistic angle. I even loved the business. I loved the strategizing. I loved everything about it. So it was a real um, Goldilocks moment for me. Um, I went from this place of loving theater to being disenchanted to finding the thing that suited me much more. So then, you know, I made this film, and it was pretty, probably pretty bad. I don't know. I haven't seen it in years, thank goodness. <laughs> and, um, I was like, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. I just know that this is the thing that I want to do. So I applied to film school. I got into the grad program at USC, and I went. And um, I think the combination of those two things, while it took a good many years, has made me very comfortable with performance as well as very comfortable with, with visuals and style and film history and working with the crews and all these different things. So I feel very comfortable with what I'm doing. Um, you know, like I said, it's ages, but I think I'm in the place I'm supposed to be. Right. And then, so you were in school, was it like, uh, was it four years in NYU and then and another uh, two um, in USC? I did NYU fast. I did NYU in three years. So I, I started when I was 17. I graduated when I was 20. And then I went to USC in 2002 and I dropped out in 2005. Um, I finished everything except for a full semester of critical studies uh, classes. And that was because Quite frankly, I was just weighing the cost benefit. I, it was extremely expensive. I paid for both of these schools on, you know, some help from my family and then student loans. And my my thesis film did very well. So I, my what I was weighing was, okay, I'm going to do I'm going to save up these crit studies to the last semester. I'm going to do my thesis film. If it does well, I'm out. Because oh. that was my goal. I wasn't, yeah. you know, that I was I was there for a specific region. Right. And if it doesn't do well, I'll stay. I'll do this last semester. I'll get my degree. Maybe I'll make another film, and hopefully that'll do okay. My thesis film did really well. We premiered it right back, and we went to a bunch of festivals. And I said, you know what? Thank you very much. I'm out. Right. Um, so um, that's very good. That was 2005, and then a couple of years later, well, during that time, I did a little, I did another couple commercials, little things like that. I did another short film called Touch, um, which went to a ton of festivals and won, I think, a third of them. Um, and you can see that on my website if you want to check it out. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, my name, but, I'll post uh, the links and everything. Yeah, you can link to it if your notes. viewers are interested. Yeah, definitely. And then that film is what got me my feature. Yeah, I, mentioned, I, I, I saw an interview with you talking a little bit about that. Um, just real quick, what was your thoughts on film school as a whole? Like, you know, you, you know, the kids coming out of high school, like they're maybe wondering whether or not they should go to film school or not in your own experience of what sort of, um, networking or relationships that you have seen flourish on your own journey. Um, and, and if you can kind of expound upon that a little bit. 
Yeah, look, my the truth that I would say is if you can afford to go to film school with no financial consequences, meaning you're not going to come out like I did, like a moron, $200,000, student loan debt, go. It's amazing. It's wonderful. You will have a fantastic time. You will learn tons of things. You will discover things. You will become a filmmaker. Go. If you, like a dummy like I, are going to come out with $200,000 of student loan debt, I suggest you think twice about it. You can meet all these people by volunteering on the films. You can learn all of these things by getting on film sets. You can learn all of these things by watching movies critically. Watch a shit ton of movies, then watch them again on mute. Watch all the extras. You know, um, if you're in Los Angeles, go to the film museum and watch things and learn people and, and learn from people and engage in your film community with film independent or if you're a woman with woman in, women in film or the Alliance of Female Directors or all these different great places. Um, I love film school. It's way too expensive. And the fact of the matter is when you come out, you are severely hindered by the debt that you have to pay back immediately. Um, if I were to make that decision today, I, I don't know if I would make the same decision. Interesting. But let me, so, uh, so you make this award-winning film called Touch, the short film that wins awards and does very well, and, and that opened up the connections and uh, meeting for, if I'm assuming correctly, the producers that eventually will become the producers on Kelly and Cal. Is that correct? So what happened with that um, uh, touch is it screened at this wonderful film festival called Lunafest, which is a film festival by, for, and about women of short films funded by Lunabar. And they have this fantastic event and then a traveling film festival. Your film gets exposed to thousands of eyeballs. It's wonderful. Wow. In that, my producers, who are in New York, I'm in Los Angeles, totally coincidentally happened to be looking online for up-and-coming directors. And they found my name and my work on the LunaFest website. And they picked up the phone and they called me. And it just so happened that I had been developing Kelly and Cal with Amy, and it was ready to go. They called me, I think two weeks later, I was in New York visiting, having a meeting. And I think two weeks after that, we had a, after that, we had a contract. Great. So that's like, you, I remember you call it luck, you know, in some of your interviews, like all these things that just had to come in and, you know, fall into place to make it happen. But I guess, you know, what they say about luck is the crossroads between opportunity and preparation. So you've had all this stuff happen. Um, so you're definitely in the right place, the right time, but you made it happen if you hadn't, you know, made touch and, do, and done all those things. So yeah. now you've got this, you so let's, I'm going to fast forward to like what always happens at like film Q and A's, right? So you show your yeah. film and the panel and everybody's like, I guarantee you, the, yeah. first, like yeah. the, first, the first question somebody asks is like, Hey, what was your budget and what did you shoot it on? <laughs> okay. So we were just about a million dollars and we shot in Alexa. Um, my husband, Phil Lott is a cinematographer. Um, and we, we shot two, three, five. That was very important to us. We wanted to make this look like a movie and not a television show. You know, we were mindful of that because there's a lot of talking in this show, uh, in this film. And, um, 
I mean, I think it looks beautiful. I think you it did does. a great and job. I have to commend you. Yeah, it's shot very. And commend <laughs> your husband. It's it's done very nicely. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell him we have we have fun together. We have a good time working together. And um, yeah, we shot it in August of 2013. We had a that 20 day shoot schedule, and by Christmas 2013, we were completely finished. Picture locked, colored, uh, sound mixed, done. And then we premiered at South by Southwest in March of 2014, and we opened theatrically three weeks ago. Isn't that amazing? That is a fast turnaround. That is that is, that's one of the fastest you know, turnarounds I've heard. It's so funny because now everybody says that. Oh my God, it was so fast! And all I could think during the whole process was, Oh my God, hurry up! This is taking so long. <laughs> <laughs> So it was just like last year you guys were, it was shot in Long Island, right? Yeah, we shot in Long Island and Queens. Okay, Queens. So, um, I, I was born in Long Island, actually Southampton. And one of my first um, agents, acting agents in L.A., she was like, where were you born? She's from New York. And she, I said, I was actually born in Long Island, Southampton. She goes, get yeah. out of here. Nobody's born in Southampton. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. It wasn't like we were rich. <laughs> we're on the other side of the track somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, yeah, so you, your thoughts on your sort of uh, film career trajectory, um, as I try to speak English here. The, uh, yeah. the, the you know, you, like you said, you, you did your bit, you studied, you, you created work, um, you put it through the film festival. So what, are your, what is your thoughts on the film festival process? And obviously, you know, it worked out for you, you in terms of creating an award-winning short. And getting yeah. noticed by producers, signing the contract, and already having a great product, a project in hand to make it happen. Um, I'm yeah. just curious of what your thoughts are about the film festival process now. And I, in terms I think of it's wonderful, I really enjoy the film festival process, especially as a short filmmaker, because to be quite honest, there is nothing on the line when you go to a festival with a short. It's super high pressure. There's a lot of stuff you're worried about. It's not as enjoyable as when you go with a short. You go with a short, you get to travel, you get to meet new people, you get to bond with filmmakers. You know, because you're in a short uh, program, you're kind of um, lumped in a group to begin with. So you have this little short film um, maker gang, you know, that you hang out with the whole time. And um, you get to enjoy yourself. You get to learn when you sit and watch your film with an audience. You get to participate in the Q&As. And quite honestly, if everybody hates your film, fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You learn from that, you make another one. Nobody knows the difference because everyone has forgotten. When you go as a feature, it's a little different. There's a lot more things riding on the line. People have given you money. People have invested in you. There's talent who have committed their names and their images to the project. Um, and quite frankly, you're there to achieve certain things. Um, so there's a lot more pressure. And I think it's a little less enjoyable when you go with a feature. But I love the film festival process. I mean, that's kind of where it comes from. I don't have any family in the industry, any contacts that I didn't create on my own, you know, going through film school and things like that. So film festivals have been very important to me. Let me ask you, so with uh, Kelly and Cal being the, how quick that was, um, you premiered at South by Southwest. Um, at what point did you submit um, in, in last year, 2013? When, at what point where did you 
Did you already have? Did your producers have some sort of connections already with the film uh, program directors or anything? Uh, let them know, like, there's, hey, we got a great film with Juliet Lewis. You, know you got to check out or something. I have to say that I, I don't really remember. I know that's painful for your audience, but I do not remember how the submission process went. I do know that we had our sales agent on at the time, uh, who was Jessica Lacey at SCM. Uh, I do know that Josh Hopkins, who was one of our talent in the film, um, had put in a good word for us. Um, I, I do not remember when exactly we submitted. I feel like everything was done, or if not done, you know, maybe we hadn't done a color time or something, something very, um, um, very close to the end like that. I'm afraid I, I don't remember exactly. Was it a, like a committee sort of a decision that that South by Southwest was the best place to premiere it? Or, uh, I mean, kind? it really did feel like, especially with our music element, that South by was the best place for this film. Okay. You know, that, that was very much what we wanted the film to be, and we were super excited when we got in, definitely. Well, it sounds like you have a really good team because, like I said, you had your producers, and it sounds like they took the initiative to make sure that you had a sales agent in place. And this is prior to uh, landing any distribution deal, if I'm correct. And then, yeah, that is right. Okay, so then you know you're you know you're focusing on uh, the editing, color timing, all that type of thing. Uh, you got a team that's you know it was a decision like South by Southwest. That's where we're going. Um, was it when you got the news that you got in? Was it a little bit again, like you in the hallway, just clipping your heels? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, was a little, it was a little bit of a celebration, but honestly, like I said, because it's a feature, it's so much pressure on all these moments that I hate to say it, but it's less a celebration and more a relief. You're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, good. Okay, we got, we're 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 through that point, you know. And and unfortunately, that's that's the way a lot of it feels. I don't know. Maybe I'll get better with this and be a little bit easier on myself when I do my second one. But seriously, girlfriend, you're, I, just, so, you're just so worried about the whole. Thing. <laughs> seriously, we're gonna have to hang out. I'm just like, you gotta enjoy these little moments. <laughs> I know, I know. Believe me, everyone in my life tells me to calm the hell down. But you know, <laughs> it's important. And and I have to say, you know, when we opened in New York, uh, we opened September fifth. I, I went to, like you said, I went to NYU, so I lived in New York for about ten years, and I got to see a lot of old friends of mine I hadn't seen in a long time. And it was so lovely because you go, oh my god. I've been working towards this goal for 20 years. This is so great. I, I feel so proud and happy and pleased that it's being received well. Um, and it's a weird thing to say, but after working towards something for 20 years, you go, oh my God, finally I'm at the beginning. It's wild to hear you say that because from an outsider's perspective, like you made it like, you know what I mean? Like having a film with, uh, you know, a well-known star and then having a, a, a really strong team behind you, getting the distribution, um, was there again, sort of like a little, you know, a little toast of water of anything <laughs> that when you guys landed a distribution <laughs> deal, um, was it IFC? No. Nothing. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's all still the beginning. It's still the beginning. I mean, you have, 
I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we have to check back in in another 10 years and maybe I'll be still saying the same thing. <laughs> but, um, I, I, you know, I think that's one of the things that's kind of so frustrating and kind of so cool about this business is it's always changing. You're always learning. And there's so much out of your control. All you can do is do the best you can and then see what happens. Amazing. Like I said, like, you know, from our outside perspective, meaning like you, you made it, it's like, so not only did you make the film that premiered at a major film festival or like, you know, sub whatever, it's a, it's a major film festival. It's got a lot of um, clout to it. And then scoring a distribution deal, you know, having, um, I'm not too sure when the um, uh, Brandy and the, the rest of the crew came on to start representing you. Um, but that's kind yeah. of a huge, you know, you know, feather in the hat type thing, a little notch in the belt. I don't know. Well, these are cliches. I don't know what to say. Whatever. That's like it's a cool thing to ha- yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me just say, I'm not ungrateful, but it looks a lot more spangly on the outside than it does on the inside. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's still a lot of hard work ahead, and a lot of things that I am nowhere near achieving that I have in my mind. So you know, I've got a, I've got a few more decades in front of me. What are your thoughts, uh, like with not only for you personally, but maybe like your friends? That you know, when you sit around and talk about what is the, what do you feel the future of independent film is? Um, it seems like there's so much um, oh, change. <laughs> I just opened a can of worms. I mean, that, that's a monster question. That's like a whole interview question. Um, it's it's tricky right now. It's very tricky. I feel that as an audience member. This is kind of like my my drum that I've been beating recently, but I want a singular interface. I don't want to go to stupid Amazon and Hulu and iTunes and Netflix to look for my content. I want to go to one place. I want there to be content there that I can watch every night that's new and interesting that I have not seen before. And that doesn't exist right now. I want there to be a curation, you know, like radio stations. You know, if you tune into one radio station, you're going to get one type of content. And if you turn into another, you're going to get another. We don't have that yet. And I find that very frustrating. Um, You know, my husband and I talk about this a lot, and I'm sure people can relate. Every night, we sit down to watch something, and you spend half of your time watching trailers or flicking from, you know, venue to venue without finding anything you can watch. And then finally I go, I'm tired. I have to go to bed. I'm not going to last for two hours. And you watch nothing. Um, whereas if we could, we would probably rent a film every single night of the week. And that's a missed opportunity in terms of business. Um, in terms of a filmmaker, that, model is a little bit scary because we all know that when there's only one person in charge, it's harder for independents to pop up and to have a voice and to get noticed. Um, But quite frankly, given my experience with my first film, it's quite hard to get noticed now, even with South by, even with winning an award, even with getting great reviews from the New York Times and the Village Voice and the Huffington Post and all these places that you hope for that we're so grateful to for responding to the material, we still are finding that people don't go to the cinema and that people don't look for us online. Um, So I think those two things are things that need to get worked out before the audience is served with interesting material 
that they might not otherwise find, and before the filmmaker is served with an audience who actually wants to see their films. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I just felt like I was part of a conversation, but I knew exactly what you're talking about. My wife will say, well, how many, does she just spend like a half hour, an hour just watching trailers? <laughs> I say, no, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you're yeah. right. And it's... I'm like, we, we have a cutoff point in our house. If it's not, if we've not hit press, if we've not pressed play on something by eight o'clock, I'm pulling the plug. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. It's, it's very fascinating what you just brought up. So let me ask you, um, just real quick, um, in your movie, uh, Kelly and Cal, you kind of reference uh, Sleater Kinney. Are you, were, was that from the uh, screenwriter, Amy, or was that from you, that, that plug-in? Um, in that was of- from Amy, but, you know, I really like, I really hearken back to those days. I grew up in Northern Virginia, outside of D.C., and one of the things you know about the film, because you saw it, is there's a sequence where she dyes her hair blue. And we we were really excited because Manic Panic came in as a big supporter of the film. And they like threw us a big party in New York. And I went up to the guys and I was like, I've got to tell you, when I was a teenager, my best friend and I used to go down to Georgetown and we'd go to this little punk rock, rock shop called Commander Salamander and we'd <laughs> buy our hair dye and we'd buy our combat boots and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I def- definitely connect personally to that. You know, we were rocking out to the Sex Pistols and all the different riot girls and, you know, this means that you would pass um, you know, you'd pass uh, to one another in school underneath the desks. That was definitely a part of my identity growing up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I personally connect with that. Nice, nice. Because, you know, because I'm up here in Portland, Oregon, and, you know, Carrie Brownstein is um, up here and, you know, works on, you know, of course, Portlandia, and I got a lot of friends that work on Portlandia. So awesome. it's, it's one of those things like, oh, you know, I, just, I didn't know whether or not you knew her personally or anything like that. Um, but I, I should, you know, let her know if she hasn't already known that, uh, you guys are mentioning her quite a bit, you know, in the, oh film, my God. In the yes. film. please show okay. her the film. We would be so happy <laughs> for her to see it. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, I'm actually good friends with the, the DP on Portlandia. So I'll, I'll hit up him and I think, awesome. you know, cause Spread it around. I mean, I have to say one thing that I have definitely discovered about a film like this no matter how much people love it, which we are very fortunate to find that they do, it doesn't matter if the word doesn't get spread around because we just don't have the marketing budgets to be able to pop up amongst the noise. Um, so I'll take a moment to plug it. We're on VOD, which means cable on demand, iTunes, Amazon, Xbox, PlayStation, and Google. I think we're on YouTube too. Um, we're in select years around the country. So I really hope your audience will check it out. Yeah, and I will post all the links and notes and other, you know, other interviews with you as well as just, you know, highlight some other work you've done so people can find it for sure. And then another thing, as before we wrap up here, I know that yeah. I saw this, the interview you guys did at South by Southwest and Johnny Weston was talking about like this project he wanted to do and he was like a huge Doors fan, you know, and or, you know, something about you know the music of the Doors. Um, my neighbor, who I'm really good friends with, he's the screenwriter of the Doors. So I'm here up in Portland, Oregon. So, so John, if, if Johnny wants to meet him, the, the difference is my friend Randall. You should hook them up. I'm so funny. I don't even remember that interview. That's awesome. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, Randall has, like, because he's been on my podcast. He's, like, one of my first guests on my podcast. And he yeah. um, he's did a ton, a ton of research 
on before writing the the, the film The Doors. So if Johnny wants to you know meet up with them, let me know. Uh, you know maybe connect them because uh, oh yeah, my god, it, that's amazing! But you know what? As funny as that sounds, that's how things get started. Just like people <laughs> reaching out and saying, "Hey, you know what? I heard you want to do this thing. I got this contact." <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So hey, before we wrap up, I have to tell you, it's been a it's an absolute pleasure just to meet you and just wrap with you and just to have an opportunity to see your work and uh, see the film. And I was like, oh, I felt. Like when, you know, when Brandy sent me the info and then gave me the, the uh, screening link, I was like, oh, this is cool. So I got a chance to check it out, and uh, I was very, very oh. stoked on it. But, um, yeah, awesome. as, we, as we wrap up anything, do you have any advice as, like, you know, like you said, this mo magic moment of 20 years, there you were in New York, you saw your film, you did it. So you should be proud. You, you know, no matter whatever happens, you've got to be proud of what you've done. So what? I guess I guess I'm hearing from you. I need to celebrate a little bit. <laughs> At least with your husband, high five. one high five. That's all you. All right, one high five. Here we go. <laughs> and then it's back to misery, you know. Then <laughs> back to business. Yeah, let's get it done. Business. Awesome. Misery. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And you know, like I said, we need every bit of exposure so that we can get. So thank you so much. No, no problem. And I'll follow up with you guys later after I post this um, up here in the next day or two. Okay, sounds great. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Brand. Are you listening Bye. the whole time? Yeah, Brand I was. <laughs> <laughs> I got to talk all this crap about you. I didn't even know you were there. I know. You could have. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have liked awesome. to do it. <laughs> okay. Well, you're next, Brandy. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Bye. Bye. And that concludes my interview with Jen McGowan, uh, filmmaker, uh, director of the film Kelly and Cal, uh, starring Juliette Lewis, which you can find on iTunes right now. Also, um, as you know, don't go away empty-handed. I always leave you guys with a free gift, which is if you go over to freegearguide.com, you can get an equipment list of everything that I use to make a feature film with no crew. Uh, again, that's at freegearguide.com. And again, my deepest apologies for being such a bonehead and not getting my audio uh, settings correct and having sort of a rough audio uh, episode there quality-wise. All right. If you enjoy what you hear, please leave a ratings review on iTunes for me, and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks. Bye.